Hey everyone, and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. Moo. Adam, what the heck was that? <laughs> Why did you moo like a bovine? Because this whole episode's about X-Cow, isn't it? Aren't we doing our X-Cow episode this week? Dude, I wish we were doing an entire episode about X-Cow, who does live on Krakoa now. <laughs> so many animal people, mutants, live on Krakoa now. There's like a hippo guy and uh, like a There's baby, penguin girl. baby penguin girl, right? Like there's little penguins. Uh, she's oh, just man. Heather Antos, but I like her still. <laughs> it's not yeah, that I, I don't say. like Heather Antos. I have no feelings towards Heather Antos. She seems nice. I don't know her. That's got to be a nod, though, right? I mean, like, <laughs> can't... Yes, yes. There's a pink-haired penguin girl. Yep, yep. The uh, only thing that would be more Heather Antos if she, is if she had a milkshake uh, in that picture. Which is ironic, because in the very <laughs> famous picture that got a lot of very weird people very angry at women for no reason, she was not actually oh. drinking a milkshake. Other people were. Yeah, God forbid. But what have you. Uh, get together with their friends and... Yeah, God forbid anybody drink a milkshake with their friends, right? Yeah, uh, I feel like you, uh, so. Yeah, that's old. Ex- that's old news. But yes. Oh yeah. Uh, well, today we're gonna get feral, right? Um, we're gonna we're gonna get a little. Well, we're not gonna talk about feral. We aren't. We are going to talk about, and I quote, the role of livestock in Academy X routines. <laughs> Whose idea was this? This is a crazy idea. This comes from Patreon supporter Leah Williams. Leah was so nice enough to go over to Patreon.com, throw a little money our way, and uh, support the show. So thanks, Leah. You're great. We like you. This is the Leah Williams of uh, of Gwenpool fame? I cannot confirm if this is the Leah Williams or not. All I know is that it says Leah Williams on Patreon. Well, I'm just going to have to take it on faith that this is uh, one of the most amazing writers listening to our amazing show. And uh, so we must be talking about an amazing animal first. Uh, Yeah, no, we're actually not. Here's the thing. X-Cal's a background character who's a dungeon master that one time. Uh, But that's just a side gag and not very good. Uh. So, we just looked at other times the X-Men and animals hung out, and it's not a ton. It's not as much as you'd think, and, and you know, we are still waiting for uh, the New Mutants movie to be released to talk about a, a specific bear. So, uh, we, we picked another New Mutants arc that involves uh, a real fan favorite, if you will. We are talking about New Mutants 56 through 58, the Bird Brain Saga. Uh, this is written by comics favorite grandma Louise Simonson, uh, and she is. I want to. I want to preface this. Wheezy is amazing and fantastic, and the editor responsible for so many good X Men stories, uh, and the writer 
of just so much good stuff. She even put out a Power Pack story this year that was delightful. So Wheezy's got it. Uh, and I don't want anyone to say anything bad about Wheezy after this segment ends. <laughs> yes, because uh, what we're going to talk about is three issues of comics that have a lot going for them, with the uh, big exception that they feature probably one of the most uh, despised characters to ever appear in X-Men comics, and that is Bird Boy. Yeah, and look, justifiably so. And you're going to hear us switch between Bird Brain and Bird Boy because the comic does. Uh, I think his real name is Bird Brain, or at least that's the name the New Mutants give him, but TV calls him Bird Boy. Uh, It's a mess. Uh, Anyway, June Brigman does the first issue of this uh, with Brett Blevins doing the next two. Uh, so Wheezy's New Mutants, this is right near the start of her New Mutants run, uh, before it gets good, uh, let's, let's be, let's be frank, before it gets good, uh, and there was an edict from, uh, editorial saying, hey, the New Mutants don't really act like kids, they fight space demons, and are really mature, and mean to each other, and, like, they don't talk about midterms enough, so... (laughs) Wheezy, can can we get some more of that action? Can we get some fun kid stories? Yeah, so that's not apocryphal, right? Like, that was a legitimate mandate to kind of age the characters down and make it a little bit more Saturday morning cartoon. Yeah, they wanted they wanted this to be the light and heavy book, or the light book compared to uh, the other New Mutant stuff where it's a bit, a bit much. Which is kind of a crazy thing to request because, like, the book from the outset has been heavy. You know what I mean? Like, they may have spent some time in a in a shopping mall in the first couple of issues, but like, the second we got to the year mark with Sinkevich, like this this series has been defined by things that are a little crazier and scary. So it, it's a little bit ridiculous to ask that of this book. Yeah. So Weezy's playing against a stacked deck to begin with. Uh, mm. And yes, we are going to make excuses for her because she's fabulous. Well, and I think we should be clear that, like, despite the fact that Bird Brain is here, like, the interactions between the characters, the artwork that's here, it's really good. Like, it's, um, it's, okay. not, it's not like this is um, some by by any means some kind of like terrible terrible comics the problem is that we're stuck with this plot line in which this obs this like terrible terrible nuisance of a character that all it wants to do well let's talk about bird boy for a second what is squawk (laughs) squawk So it's that for three issues. <laughs> right. Right. And uh, we've talked a little bit about Bird Brain before because we've covered the New Mutants fall of uh, the Mutants arc, which comes directly after this. Um, but man, that's a, it's a lot of squawking, especially in 57 and 58 about cheeseburgers. Yeah, it's a lot. Uh, and it's not just for me. It's not just Bird Brain. I hate how the New Mutants themselves are written in these. They okay. don't feel right. They do not feel like the characters we spent the last 50-some issues getting to know. Or, quite frankly, the characters we'll spend the next 40 issues getting to know. This is weird, and I don't like it. 
Um, all right. Well, I don't necessarily have the same impression, but is it more because of the dialogue or is it more because of the way in which Brett Blevins is sort of aging down the characters? Oh, it's a hundred percent the dialogue for me. I like oh, okay. Brett Blevins as an artist. I think he can do some great stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not my favorite here. Uh, just, I, I don't think this is his best work. I think he does some, as much as I hate Birdbrain, and I do, uh, he does some really expressive things with the characters. Like, there's there is some good cartooning being done here. I still don't love it. Yeah, and I think that's the... It's bad. That's the shame of this, is that Brett Blevins is such a good cartoonist. And you're right, like, he hasn't hit the stride that he will later on in this run. Um, but he's already doing a very specific uh, kind of body language with the characters. The expressions are all very big and very cartoony. Um, I, I think it's amazing. I agree that there there is a little bit of shift, you know what I mean? Because the, like we were describing, there is a little bit of a mandate here to say we want these characters to be acting differently and interacting differently. But it's all bogged down by, you know, bird brain and dressing him up like Steven Tyler to take him out to McDonald's constantly and worrying about whether bird brain is going to go back to McDonald's. It's like that. That's just not interesting. It's bad. Actually, uh, rain is smitten by this cypher in his most relatable role thinks this is stupid until the last issue where cypher just, I, I, I'm like, come on, man. I was about to be sad that you were going to get shot in three issues. <laughs> well, he, he Cypher's good now, but guys, guys, Cypher, Cypher's a challenging character in the original New Mutants. He has some flaws. Um, yeah, I mean, he hasn't always been portrayed as sort of like, you know, an extremely interesting character. Um, and sometimes he's portrayed as a, as addicted to the internet. Uh, right <laughs> with a with a beard and sometimes he can read body language uh, which makes him an expert martial artist yes <laughs> right right so anyway i mean i think the less said about this probably the better um this is how we get to the you know bird brains island in fall of the mutants but like like i said a, a huge chunk of this story is literally about teaching this awful character how to try and speak and then when it does all it wants to do is go to mcdonald's and eat cheeseburgers and it's like uh, there's not a lot here to uh to enjoy you know no it's not uh can i tell you something else that bothers me about this arc yeah go for it uh in the first issue the hellions who show up and they have a scavenger hunt to capture bird brain Mm -hmm. uh with the new mutants which is bad the new mutants have to wear their graduation costumes, which are some of the worst designs that worst. have ever cursed X-Men. <laughs> they're they're so bad. They're not even 90s bad. They're just like, what are you doing, guys? Those are Art Adams designs, aren't they? I think they are. And Art Adams is a great, 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 great artist who did some piss poor designs here. Yeah. They're not great. Um, but the the Hellions talk about uh, having to prep for finals. Uh, and in this arc, Magma transfers officially over to uh, the Hellions at mm-hmm. the uh, Massachusetts Academy. 
Yep. And then all the new mutants are talking about midterms, the next issue. So I kind of feel like they have no idea when this is supposed to get set, because that's not how education works as far as I have been aware of. Uh, no, no, not generally. But uh, yeah, I, I feel like the push to make it a little bit more of a school-based book and make it, you know, Hellions versus New Mutants, sure, fine. But, you know, putting this character, this this... I don't even want to call it a Muppet because it's kind of an insult to Muppets. It's just a, it's a weird chicken person. Uh, putting this thing in this arc doesn't do any favors for anybody. It's so bad. I hate him so much. I just, Birdbrain may be my least favorite X-Men character. It's unfortunate. Uh, but, like, I think it's him. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's kind of hard to be worse than bird brain um you know i know gossamer has her detractors but gossamer's bad but i think when i was ranking characters my bottom characters were slipstream and lifeguard and i like them better than bird brain <laughs> like is that's not even a that's that's a no-brainer for me it's like oh yeah they're better than bird brain what am i talking about well i mean the good thing is that bird brain i don't think is technically a mutant so he's more of a you know, an abomination. He's an uh, anim- science. He's he's a he's he's our shame. Uh, he is. <laughs> he's our. What does the Marvel Wikia say? The Marvel Wikia calls him uh, a genetic construct, a oh. human bird hybrid. Okay. So, so he's like the Falcon. If the Falcon was bad. Well, he's not showing up on Krakoa anytime soon, uh, so we could be thankful for that. And you know what? Good, good. He can live <laughs> on the Animator's Island, where he lived for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, wait, what the... He showed up in Nova? When? In the 90s! Oh, uh, boy. That might be worth checking out, just to Bird look brain... at. Does he order cheeseburgers? Birdbrain is in... <laughs> I don't... He's in multiple issues, non-consecutive issues. Wow. I wonder if he got any better. Probably not. I'm going to bet no. No, I'm going to think he sucks. <laughs> nothing's nothing's made me want to read a comic less than saying, hey, mid-90s Nova has bird brain in it. <laughs> yeah. Not... I'm not a big Nova fan, uh, but put a, put bird brain. Oh, uh, do you know it. who wrote it? Do you know who wrote it? You, Can I guess? You you won't even be shocked when I tell you who wrote it. It's Fabian. It's Fabian. Yeah, of course. It is. It's Daddy Fabes. <laughs> Friend of the show, Fabian Nisiesa did write that. And Fabian, I'm reading your current Gambit run right now. Uh, as you're listening, I'm sure you are. And you've written a bunch of comics I really like. I don't like your Gambit. I'm sorry, bud. Sorry, bud. Uh, not my fave. Uh, uh, I would like to go on have... the record and say that I have not read that run, but I am assuming that out of that run is where that uh, mysterious hidden Gambit novel is still hiding somewhere in your uh, database. So we'd still like to see that, please. <laughs> yes, I don't care how much I don't like that uh, comic run that I'm suffering through. Would like to read your novel, Fabian. Yes, please. <laughs> thank you. Uh, because we read a lot. In fact, we, Adam, do you know how many stories we have read Oh my goodness, at this point, uh, wow, we're almost up to 300. There's 291 stories on the list. Wait, are we going to hit? No. We're only right. we got three episodes to go. 
Yeah, but next episode, we're not going to rank stories. Spoiler uh, alert. Okay. Well, we're going to get there soon. We're almost to 300. We're on We're on the road to 300. Uh, starting with number one, Uncanny X-Men 20, 129 to 137, The Dark Phoenix Saga. Uh, jumping down to 50 is the Jeff Johns Morlock miniseries. 100 is What If Phoenix, uh, number 32 and 33. 150 is Uncanny X-Men 15.inh, Girls Night Out. <laughs> 200 is Cable and Deadpool, The Burnt Offering. Uh, that's 7 through 10 by Daddy Fabes. Uh, 250 is The Fall of the Mutants, The New Mutants. And then 291 is The Draco, and it's bad. Is this better or worse than The New Mutants, Fall of the Mutants? Is it better than worse than Fall of the Mutants? Um, I think it's worse. Yeah, it is. Um, here's the thing. I'm looking down. You know what? Uh, 271, where we have Wolverine, 98 to 100, Furnace of His Mind, Anvil of His Heart. Yeah, I think that was better. I think that was better than this, too. Uh, <laughs> is it is it better than... Is it better than Eve of Destruction? That's at 281. The art is better, but Eve of Destruction does not have... Well, okay, hold on a sec. Let, let's... Let's deconstruct this a little bit because Eve of Destruction does have some really, really bad, like only time they appeared mutants, courtesy of professional comics writer Scott Lobdell. So uh, we're in sort of the, we're definitely in the right realm here. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna straight up say I like Eve of Destruction better. I'd rather reread that. <laughs> okay, it has um, it's ooh Prisoner of Love better or worse. Oh, Prisoner of Love is close. We're we can't be out of the ballpark because this is near the bottom of our list. Um, I'm gonna say 283. That would put it in between the Madeline Prior Hellfire cult arc of uh, X Men, Uncanny X Men, and Prisoner of Love because I I do still like the artwork here. Um, I, I want to give it a little bit of credit, and I don't think it's nearly as bad as like the artwork in 284. Um, which is what if Wolverine was Lord of the Vampires during Inferno? And I know you don't hate this yeah. as much as the X Men 100th anniversary special at 285. I I mean that's that's where I was debating. <laughs> I, I was looking right there. I was like, mm, Do you like Prisoner of Love better? Than this? I mean, I don't, I don't know. Let's put it. Let's put it below Prisoner of Love, but above What If Wolverine Was Lord of the Vampires During Inferno. That would make it 284. Perfect. Done. Love it. Okay. May we, we never speak that. of Bird Brain Bird Boy again. <laughs> um, no, there's definitely another arc that we could legitimately and will have to cover at some point before uh, the end of the world. All right. I guess. I don't want to. I mean... Yeah, guys, I don't want to talk about Bird Boy either. He's terrible, and that squawking hurt my voice. <laughs> it was intense, but that's how it, that's how it sounds when you read it. It's the worst. It's all of the worst. I'm gonna let that part of the clip like clip through the audio. I'm not gonna edit that one out. <laughs> I'll be like, I'll compress all of this and all of this, and you will stay here in all of your shame. <laughs> all right, we need a palate cleanser. Uh... We do. Where, where do you want to go next? The circus? I want, no, no, I don't. Okay. I don't want to go to the circus right now, but I do. 
I do want to go uh, visit an old friend. Oh, I like the sound of that. I would like to go to All New Wolverine number seven, written by Tom Taylor, with art by Marcy Kotakara. Oh, I miss this book. This is a great book. Uh, this is a good book. Uh, so the first arc of this book deals with a lot of stuff about Laura and cloning and meeting her new sister, Gabby. And it's intense in parts. Mm-hmm. So he put this story in there to ease a lot of that pain. And Squirrel Girl's here. Um, I'm a fan of the unbeatable Squirrel Girl. Are you a fan of the unbeatable oh Squirrel God. Girl? It's the best. It's the best. Yeah. Um, so I remember where I was when Unbeatable Squirrel Girl was announced. Where, where were you? Uh, I was in the cafeteria at my job, and I saw that there was a new Marvel comic, and I said, Squirrel Girl, that's wacky. And then I saw <laughs> that it was being written by Ryan North. Boom. And I didn't know Erica Henderson at the time. Sorry, I'm, I'm, I'm that kind of guy. I just didn't know what she was doing. Uh, Ryan North is well known for being the writer of the webcomic Dinosaur Comics, which is the same comic every day for well over a decade. Mm-hmm. Uh, starring a T-Rex, a Utah Raptor, and a Dreisiamius, uh, <laughs> and, and a car, log cabin, and small lady. God is also involved often. Yes. Ryan North is also responsible for uh, Choose Your Own Adventure Shakespeare books. Like, he's a madman. Um, yeah, I, I do have a copy of William Shakespeare Punches a Friggin' Shark and or other stories by Ryan North near me when I go to sleep because I've not taken it off of the under under uh, shelf of my bedside table <laughs> for two years. I think that's reasonable. Uh, and uh, as listeners probably know, or if you've ever listened to me go on about it, I'm a huge Eric Anderson fan. So to see this character pop up and also introduce a vital cast member to the all-new Wolverine uh, book, which is, of course, uh, Jonathan the Wolverine, the actual Wolverine, it's just, it's so joyful. It's... It's a weird mission statement of what the book was going to be. Because Gabby had already been the lighter character in the book, Mm -hmm. uh, a little more joyful. But when the book says, hey, Squirrel Girl's going to be here, and also uh, there's going to be a real Wolverine that lives with them now, (laughs) you start to realize that this is going to be quite a ride. And Jonathan's good. Now, the reason reason why Squirrel Girl brings... uh, a Wolverine to Wolverine. Uh, and we're talking about Laura Kenny. I think, uh, here. yeah, I think we were clear about that. If, well, maybe I not. wanted to make sure yeah, we're clear that's, about that's that. Important. Uh, it's important to be precise about these things. Uh, squirrel girl thinks Laura Kenny can talk to Wolverines because squirrel girl can talk to squirrels. <laughs> oh, yes. And this, uh, I love that Laura's immediate reaction is that she thinks that the, the, uh, the Wolverine is going to go basically maul Gabby to death. And uh, no, Jonathan is a, a sweet, lovable pet, which, you know, is a bit of a stretch given what Wolverines are capable of in the wild. But uh, for this particular uh, book, it's just it's so nice. It's comforting for them to have a pet. 
Anyway, Squirrel Girl's mad because uh, Laura accidentally displaced a squirrel on one of her adventures. <laughs> and she's like, that squirrel had a family. We need to go find him. And they do. And it's a really cute thing. And this this is sort of a rhythm that Taylor sets up is that he, he tells these darker stories and then balances them out with, you know, the, the annual that we talked about with Spider-Gwen or uh, a Deadpool issue. And... It's a nice way to inject some comedy into a, a series that, if it took itself too seriously, would probably drag on itself. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I we've seen other writers try this approach uh, unsuccessfully, frankly, but Taylor really has a knack for this kind of thing. I'm not saying his entire all-new Wolverine run was perfect. There were arcs that I definitely liked a lot less than others. Uh but he really knocks it out of the ballpark here. This is a fun one. And Marcy Kotakara's art is so evocative, uh, telling the full story in just, you know, similar enough to David Lopez, who did the first six issues, uh, but with a little bit less of, I don't even want to say grit, but David Lopez has a bit of a sadness behind all of his characters, I feel like. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Marcy Kotakara just doesn't. <laughs> No, I, I love Takara's stuff. Um, I know he, he's doing most of his stuff with DC these days. but um, And it's telling that this issue came out and then they tapped Takara to do the, the annual as well um, with Spider-Gwen. Because he does have really good expressions. He's good about selling the acting of the characters and the comedy of the scenes um, in, in the way that he lays these things out. And, and it's really funny, you know, like <laughs> there's... A squirrel in a box it, that jumps out because it turns out the dad, daddy squirrel, has been taken into the house of some punk kid. Yeah, and it's it's not only it's not only just the humor, which is very strong in this, but also it's bookended by an emotional uh, emotional beat mm-hmm. where Laura has to accept that hey, Gabby's part of her life now, and she doesn't want to be as closed off as Logan was to her. She wants to actually like involve gabby in her day-to-day yeah we start the story with a a vignette from the past and logan is basically saying stay here kid i'm going on an adventure by myself and she makes this determination before the end of this issue that gabby's gonna basically be her sidekick you know and her family she's a sister to her um so she's not gonna leave her behind for adventures and uh that that sets up pretty much the template for what the rest of the book does yeah, it works. It works super well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like this issue. It's not my favorite issue of All New Wolverine, but it's pretty darn good. Yeah, the book has an extremely strong start and it has an extremely good finish. If you've never read the last arc of All New Wolverine, uh, I'm sure we'll cover that at some point. But there, there are some pl- places in the middle that kind of aren't aren't like as perfect. But I, I still really like the book and uh, long for it occasionally because I just liked having laura as wolverine it was great it was great and laura's still a great character uh she's going to be showing up in fallen angels soon and i'm very excited about that because brian edward hill seems like he's just got his he's got the right idea for all this and simon kinserski's uh arts looks real moody and i'm excited for it but that's not where we're at now (laughs) 
All right, so on our list, we have that all-new Wolverine annual number one, which is the body swap with Spider-Gwen at 101. Uh, Do you like this better or worse than that? I like this better than that, but not a ton better than that. All right. Um, Like, I'm looking looking up, uh, and at 92, we have Astonishing Spider-Man and Wolverine, mm -hmm. which I think is better than this one-shot. Yeah. I would agree with Which, that. Which, by the way, guys, we're we're in the good section of the list. Like, all of these stories are, you should probably read them. I mean, the, like, All New Wolverine, check it out. It's very good. Uh, um, I mean, what do you think? I, I like this. I don't know if I would put it above the fourth issue of Generation X, the Christmas story. I... See, I know I would put it above House of M at number 96. Yep. So I think right between those two is the perfect spot. Great. So it's our new 96? It is our new 96. This is all new Wolverine number seven. Nice. All right. Can we go to the circus We've... now? Please. Yeah, we can go to the circus, Adam. do <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we're going back in time. <laughs> Is this an X-Men alert? <laughs> no, no, that's that's me. Uh, before, As we're recording this, it's still before Halloween, and I'm just thinking about uh, the Homestar Runner cartoon from 2003, <laughs> The House That Gave Sucky Treats, which was a choose-your-own-adventure Homestar Runner cartoon. And one of the things uh, you could give Homestar, who was dressed as the uh, great American hero, uh, was a circus peanut. And then he would sing uh, that that melody. And then you'd close the door, and it would knock again, and you go... <laughs> and you'd open it up, and he would be still singing the song. <laughs> Do you remember long for the days of Flash cartoons? <laughs> Sometimes. I miss it so much. Yeah. I... I... I'm really glad that the Homestar Runner bros, the bros chaps, are doing successful now. They seem like they got real adult jobs and not making internet cartoons. Hey, they did just put out uh, that Trogdor board game, so... They did. I would have bid on that, or Kickstarter that, except for I don't play board games. Alright, well, you know, that's okay. So, anyway... Uh, instead of stacking him to the heavens, we're going to talk about another comic. Yes, we're going to talk about X-Men number three, uh, starring uh, the... This is called... The Blob. Beware the, the Blob. Yeah, we got to beware the Blob. Uh, this issue, written by uh, Stan the Manly and Jack the King Kirby. Uh, it's the third issue of X-Men that ever existed. Oh, yeah. So we're going to get some awkward stuff like Professor X professing his love to Jean in his mind. And it's never brought up again. And yes, it happens in this issue and it's very bad. And no one, I repeat, no one ever mentioned it (laughs) until Mark Wade in the run up to Onslaught was like, oh, I remember everything from the Silver Age. I'm Mark Wade. Hardy, hardy, har. (laughs) And it was like. Maybe Professor X wanted to sleep with his student, which is bad, which is bad. I do want to point out that at the time, and this is a dangerous tightrope I'm walking, so. Careful, Zach. At, at the time, Charles Xavier was a Korean War veteran, 
and probably in his mid-30s at the oldest. So yes, still very gross and inappropriate to creep on a 16, 17-year-old student of his. He's not a 70-year-old dude in a wheelchair doing that, which is, I think, even worse. No, they're both it's the same. It's all worse. bad. Uh, <laughs> look, it's all bad. It's more understandable why they were going that route when the age difference wasn't multiple generations. I guess. I mean, it's not good. Is, that part's bad. This is also it's one panel, though. This is also an issue where the uh, the <laughs> the villain is arguably like fat phobia, <laughs> like. <laughs> yeah, the blob's a bunch of fat jokes, uh, which is super unfortunate. Uh, he he looks like a Kirby monster, a little bit. Which yeah, is... yeah, he's kind of put together with clay um, in the way that he's drawn. And I, honestly, like at least for the first half of the issue, do you feel kind? Of, I feel kind of bad for the blob. Like he's just a, you're supposed to. He's a guy doing his job. He's a guy that wants to get shot and. The, wants the bullets to bounce off of him and it's like why are you bothering me at work i don't want to join your stupid team you know unfortunately yeah the uh, x-men try and recruit him it doesn't go well no it does not go well so uh we we basically spend the second half of the issue with uh the x-men versus the circus <laughs> yeah so here's what happens blob Blob gets recruited by the X-Men. He goes to the X-Mansion. He practices in the danger room for a hot second. And then Professor Xavier's like, yeah, you're homo superior. You're so much better than everyone else. And he's like, I am? <laughs> well, screw you guys. I'm going to go take over stuff. <laughs> Which is bad motivation. Yes. He does go to the, the circus ringleader guy and yell at him and said, you were mean to me. So now I'm in charge. Look at me. I'm the captain now. Uh, and gets all the carnies, and then, including their elephants and their giraffes who and start their eating gorillas. Then the giraffe starts eating Bobby's ice cream, <laughs> which is great. <laughs> There's some, there is some wild Silver Age comics in this. <laughs> they are, they are untenable. They are unfathomable. They are just the most bonkers thing. B-A-N-A-N-A-S. You know Cyclops shoots an elephant with his laser eyes? Yes. Yes, Beast uh, does some very dramatic juggling of acrobats um, and fights a gorilla. Um, Yeah, Beast fights a gorilla in one part. (laughs) Yeah, you're right, though. Cyclops is Uh, uh, getting charged by a... a... Is this good? No. (laughs) Well, I don't know. It is some Silver Age nonsense fun, and I did enjoy reading it. Like, it's not great. Like, as we've noted here, these characters are not really fully fleshed out. This is the first time we're really starting to see that Beast is, like, the smart guy. Like, we're just kind of... Yeah, that that that's the weirdest thing to me if you're reading these sequentially. Because in the first two issues, the Beast is the thing. Right. He's the thing, but a person. Yeah. Uh, and the thing's dumb as a pile of rocks. I love Ben Grimm so much. The ever-loving blue-eyed thing. The pride of Yancey Street. Aunt Petunia's favorite. Uh, but he's not very smart. He He's too ugly and too stupid to know when to quit. Uh Man, I love the thing. 
Hold on. Can we just take a minute to appreciate how good the thing is? Uh, the thing is amazing. Like, just an absolutely brilliant creation. I just, I haven't finished reading it yet, but I just picked up Tom Scioli's, uh Fantastic Four Grand Design, the first issue. I'm so excited to finish reading it. It's so good. It is. Uh, but this comic's not, uh, which is unfortunate. The Beast just becomes smart in this, which is fine. Yeah. It, he's a better character for it. They were still getting their sea legs. Yeah, they really don't know what's going on. I mean, we're, we're nobody's really clear about what the power sets are. You know, the interactions between the characters are very wonky. It's still in that, and it will be for a long time, but it's everybody wants Gene. Um, and, you know, the, the culmination of this is so silly, where, where they basically wrap up the, the circus in a, in a sheet, and the blob is like, they ain't mutants, they magicians. It's like... Okay. <laughs> Great. Uh let's let's get on to the uh, Brotherhood of Evil Mutants. Yeah, uh this is bad. If you want to know how Jean Grey is written uh in this one, it's girl and that's it, which is, you know, not fabulous by any means. Yeah, there's even a part in the beginning with the Danger Room where she's like, "Shouldn't I be doing something more interesting?" and and uh Professor X is basically like Nah, just just move this block of wood through these metal rings. And she's like, I, dude, I'm okay. So knowing <laughs> knowing how Marvel comics were made in the '60s, part of me is a hundred percent sure that that was Stan Lee editing Jack. <laughs> like that that was him giving editorial notes as dialogue. Like Jack, what are you doing? This is super boring. <laughs> but now I have to make it work because I'm putting out 400 comics a day. Right. So, yes, there are some fun moments here, uh, but uh, n- nothing nothing that you really need to seek out. Um, though I, I did enjoy the blob. I mean, he's a time-tested, fun character, and he does have a couple of great moments here. Yeah, uh, th- he's better in every other appearance, though. That's the thing. Yep, yep. He's, uh, he's not quite at where we, we know and love him yet. Yeah. Um, so, okay, so yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna stay, say this. X Men number four and five is at two thirty two, mm-hmm. uh, and I like both of those better than this. Yeah, they're a mess now, but I, we I have, think they're better. Yeah, we have another Blob story lower down the list from the Silver Age. It's X Men uh, twenty and twenty one. I Lucifer at number two fifty four. Yeah, I I think I might have liked that one better. What about you? I like that one better. Yeah. It's not good. No, but it's, um, it's it's bonkers in a really fun way. Uh, so this is this is better than two sixty five X Men Revolutions uh, one hundred to one hundred two with the Neo. Yeah, uh, I think we might even be in like Heroes for Hope territory at two sixty one. Is it better than the Star Trek X Men? <laughs> I think so. I mean, like, there's some really enjoyable, silly things that happen in this book. But I don't think it's better than Heroes for Hope. Okay, perfect. Then let's make it uh, 262. Perfect. All right. Right above Star Trek (laughs) X-Men is Beware the Blob. Blob. Beware. Gotta beware him. Okay. Well, that was some animal hijinks. Gotta beware. (laughs) That was was some wild, wild X exploits of some animals uh thanks to patreon supporter leah williams 
Uh, if you want to be like Leah, and who doesn't, you can go on over to patreon.com slash Files, throw in a couple money for the Battle of the Atom podcast. Uh, a couple money is a real legitimate uh, <laughs> amount of money, by the way. A couple uh, money. I will say that uh, right now, and this is a good problem to have, but there's been a lot of support for the podcast in so much that I don't think the current reward tiers uh, work in a satisfying manner uh, because here's the thing. We have so many repeat people uh, that we can't get new people uh, and we're fixing it, but more to come on that. More to come. (laughs) There there will be forthcoming information Uh, yeah i have to do the thing where i figure it out so actually if you have any patreon suggestions uh hit me up on twitter at xavier files Uh, i'd love to hear them uh you can also go to xavierfiles.com where you can't hit me up because i turned off comments years ago because they were all bad (laughs) uh there were only like four ever but every single one of them were terrible shocking uh yeah, comment section on the internet. Who knew? <laughs> uh, but there's where we are doing really cool articles every week about the X-Men stories that are coming out. Uh, we have just put out one for uh, Excalibur number one, which was a fantastic comic, and you should really check it out. I, I think it. Uh, Nola and Charlie did a awesome job with it. Agreed. And then this week we have three articles because I hate myself. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Good stuff, though, man. Dawn of X is killing it so far. Yeah, it the X-Men are on a 15-week streak of ruling, mm-hmm. which is, you know, we're going to keep that keep that streak alive. Uh, we're getting spoiled. Anyway, Adam, Adam, where, where's, where's your stuff? All right, guys, you can always follow me on Twitter at Arthur Stacy. Um, this, as this episode comes out, we are in the last couple of days of the Bishop Jubes Collected Edition trade paperback Kickstarter. Um, I am very uh, hopeful that uh, by the time we get to the end of this, that um, we will have reached the last stretch goal. Um, at the time of this airing, we just reached round five, which means that we're getting trading cards of Grimlock and Warlock by IDW Transformers artist Bethany McGuire-Smith. And I did just announce today um, when we were recording this that Natasha Bustos of Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur fame um, has signed up to do the last two cards if we get to that next level. So um, if you haven't ordered it, this is your last week to do it. Um, I hope you order a copy and uh, pick up some cool stuff and or, or just get the cards, whatever it may be. So uh, you can link to that through our Twitter accounts or just search for it on Kickstarter. Yeah, it's super cool. Uh, also, uh, less cool than Adam's project, but still very cool. Uh, you may have seen it in your feeds uh, earlier this week, but Boko no X Anime uh, has been launched. Uh, me and Luz Bianca did the first episode uh, last night as we're recording this, uh, and it's it's going to be a good time. It does have its own separate feed, uh, which I will link to, but just search Boko no X Anime. Uh, and you'll find it. You can spell all those words, right? <laughs> yes. Uh, hopefully you guys have enjoyed the first episode. It gets better from there because the first episode of the anime, not as weird. But Never. if you missed it, let me tell you what. Adam, do you think there's a talking squid in it? I, I hope so. 
You'd be right. His name is Mr. Celiphon, and he's my favorite X-Men. Uh, that sounds lovely. Next week, we stay with the aquatic theme uh, as we have Fallen Angels writer Brian Edward Hill uh, coming on to talk about his upcoming series. And I'm so excited for that. Ooh, I am too. I have lobster questions that I will not ask him. Uh, yeah, we have, <laughs> we, we, we have said, we have said... One lobster question. We are only asking him one crustacean-based question. <laughs> and we're going to stop ourselves after that. Maybe. Because he will hang up the call. <laughs> Poor Brian. He's a good sport. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but until then, this has been Battle of the Atom. We hope you survived the experience. Get it!